Who are the ad watchers? We are attorneys at the National Advertising Division of BBB National Programs, a team with 50 years of experience investigating and resolving disputes over the truthfulness and accuracy of national advertising campaigns. I'm LaToya Sutton. And I'm Eric Yunus. To make sure advertisers can back up what they are telling consumers, we don't just take ads at face value, we put them to the test. Why? Because advertising law is simple. It's the execution that's hard. Welcome, everybody, to another episode and another season of Ad Watchers, NAD's podcast that gives a view into how our organization reviews claims and applies advertising law. If you missed any of our previous episodes in season one, don't forget to check them out later. They're available wherever you're listening to this. Now, as you may have heard, I have a new co-host this season, and I'm excited to get into some ad law with my colleague, Eric Yunus. Thank you, Latoya. I'm very excited to be here for season two. Season one was terrific and uh, hope to live up to that for season two. Definitely. I think this is going to be great. We have a whole new season of advertising issues to talk about. Um, I'll let you do the honors. What are we talking about on our first episode of our second season? Today, we're going green. We're going to talk about all things environmental and talk about environmental benefit claims, claims like sustainability claims and and related issues, and and get advertisers and um, practitioners thinking about uh, which questions they should be asking when they get into this area. Yeah, I think that this is a great topic and it's really timely because really green claims are everywhere. They seem to be just taking over the advertising landscape. You know, everybody wants to make these types of claims. And so, you know, they're really a, a timely topic. Um, let's you know, kind of just start digging in with the basics, the sort of claims that we're talking about today, green advertising, environmental claims, they are covered by the FTC's green guides. Now, you know, the formal name for those are the FTC's guides for the use of environmental marketing claims, but you know, everybody calls them the green guides. And they set forth the FTC's current views about environmental claims. They're a really important document for the industry. They are really one of the most comprehensive guidance documents, you know, out there from any government agency. And they, they go into a lot of great depth and detail about how to approach and substantiate environmental claims. So let's take a little trip back in time. And um, can you talk to us about what prompted the green guides? Where did they come from? Yeah, totally. They didn't come out of nowhere. They weren't just, you know, the brainchild of some industrious lawyer at the FTC. They came out of a very real world example. Um, There was a claim made around 1989 by the Hefty Company about their so-called degradable trash bags. Um, It was made on the front of the package of the product, and it did have a fairly big asterisk next to the word degradable. And so Hefty claims in the sort of um, the footnote associated with the asterisk that the bags would degrade when activated by exposure to the elements, which was on the lower left-hand corner of the package. Um, But what the company did tell you was that 90% of the bags would actually wind up in landfills where there are no elements. So there's no possibility of degradation. Um, The company was sued by seven states and the product had to be pulled off the market. And so, you know, it wasn't just this one incident, but it was incidents like this that uh, prompted the FTC to put out these guides and to give some guidance to the industry about how to use these types of claims. The FTC published their first version of their green guides in 1992, and they've been updated three times since then in 1996, 
1998 and 2012 as new terms have entered the market and the FTC's you know learning and understanding about green claims advance. So you know the the first few updates were kind of close together, and so now it's been uh, oh 10 years since the last update. So you know not sure what's going to happen, but you know maybe we will see another update soon. We don't have a tremendous amount of specific guidance from the states. So as Latoya mentioned, these are the, um, this is the most comprehensive guidance we have. I mean, so we've just talked about, you know, how great these green guides are. I mean, that must mean that if you're a marketer making a claim that just falls squarely into one of these categories that are addressed in the green guides, you know, you, you have it easy, right, Eric? <laughs> Not quite, Latoya. Um, even with the green guides, we still see a good amount of what's called greenwashing out there in the in the marketplace. A lot of vague terminology that's used where consumers can purchase a product with an environmental benefit claim attached and not really have a correct or a, or a solid understanding of exactly what the um, the advertiser is claiming. And I'll say that at NAD, we've we've seen a, both an evolution and an expansion of the types of uh, environmental benefit claims that are that are out there, from the more traditional made from recycled materials claim that um, you're used to seeing, which you still which you still see a lot of, um, but you're also seeing new kinds of more broad kinds of claims. But everybody's getting in on it. Um, there's an abundance of claims on the market, and um, they're attractive to consumers. Consumers want to feel like they're a part of uh, making the world a better place. And uh, what better way than to switch to a different brand of toilet paper? <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, marketers are really facing... Um, a pretty big conundrum of, you know, how to, how to deal with these types of claims, you know, how do you avoid the trap of greenwashing of saying something so vague that, you know, it is by its own nature, um, misleading, but you really do think that you have something positive to offer consumers and some positive benefit that will be good for the environment and, and, you know, kind of, propagate these these good vibes out there. So today we're going to highlight four major questions that companies should ask themselves when developing advertising that incorporates environmental claims to kind of, you know, help supplement the guidance that you might find in the green guides and to fill in some of the gray areas that are out there, not to use too many colorful terms in the same sentence. But yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so let's wait. What's the first question advertisers should ask themselves? I think the first question is always going to be, is this advertising? Um, you want these good vibes, which can come from, you know, your company just doing good deeds or being associated with certain causes. But there is a point where, you know, what when does what you're doing cross into advertising when you are putting positive statements out there into the universe? 
you know, environmental claims appear in all of the usual advertising that you might think of, TV commercial, magazine ads, product packaging, etc. But now there's new forms of media, new forms of communicating with consumers. So there are all these new kind of public facing materials where you might find green claims and environmental advertising. One recent case we had at NAD actually involved a company's uh, communication through uh, their corporate and social responsibility report. So a communication out to the public that was not traditional consumer advertising, but nonetheless, NAD took the view um, that claims made in that CSR report were advertising. The company was speaking to the public about the value of its product or, or brand. And when you do that, you have to be careful that you may be making an advertising claim that may require substantiation. And here, um, the particular claim was a, was a very um, a bold claim in, in NAD's view about optimal uh, sustainability practices. And NAD said that had to be substantiated. Right. You know, companies want to talk to their consumers. They want to reach their consumers and do it in uh, new ways um, aside from just running a commercial on TV. And so the more places there are to advertise in the way that companies advertise as that evolves, you know, you still have to go back to that initial question of is this advertising and then am I fulfilling all the requirements um, for supporting claims that I make because this is advertising. We had a recent case where it was a small company, kind of a startup type company. And they, because they were such a small company, they had a huge social media presence. That's really where they were kind of promoting their product. And um, the founders of the company were still, you know, heavily involved in the marketing of the company. And they like to do you know, uh, Instagram lives where they talk to people, talk to consumers directly about their product and about, you know, the environmental benefits that they thought their product uh, offered. And this was a, a cleaning company. And so there was a point where, you know, you're promoting your product, you are kind of, you are selling the product, you are saying, you know, go to our website, check us out, buy this, but you're also kind of talking um, on a grander scale about the fact that the product uses glass containers, and that's better for the environment. And then you start making claims about, oh, we use these types of chemicals, our competitors use those types of chemicals, and ours are better or safer for the environment or have, you know, some sort of benefit it really starts to blur the line between, you know, just kind of promoting your company and then making representations about your product that require actual objective support. And so, you know, you just have to constantly think about that, you know, as you're developing your advertising and as you're promoting your product. And I think we'll see more of these questions as technology evolves. Uh, one recent case we had at NAD showing how um, companies are reaching the public and their and their customers and when they may be advertising to them. The company's app tells you when you make a purchase what environmental impact you are having 
uh, with that purchase. That's a communication about your product to the public uh, that seeks to promote your product and can be construed as advertising. I mean, it's just as a a person, it's really interesting to see all this evolution and and new technology, but it, you know, it is just something that's going to continue to um, have an impact and and, uh, be something to be kept in mind when you're developing your your marketing and your support. Eric, is there any difference if the claim is about something aspirational? Because we see that a lot of companies want to be forward-looking, want to be thinking about the future and future generations, especially when it comes to things like climate change and environmental impact. What what does that sort of aspirational nature um, do to thinking about claim support? I think it's important to keep in mind that an aspirational claim is not the same as puffery. Uh, An aspirational claim will require substantiation. Uh, It may be a a little vague. It may be unrealized. um, But talking about what you want to do in the future or in the process of doing communicates to consumers that you are doing something and you have to prove that that's what you're doing. So it's unlikely uh, that claims that communicate an environmental benefit or promote the image of a company are going to be considered puffery, even if they do convey a message about the future. You have to have support for that claim, even if it is just an aspiration. For for example, a company that uh, we, we had a recent case that involved Chipotle, and they had a commercial where they talked about how they're um, making their farmers less carbon emitting and more organic. And it was it's aspirational. But they also demonstrated that they were putting action to their words they were engaging in practices that promoted organic ingredients in their supply chain, promoting farming practices that limited carbon emissions. So in that case, the aspirational claim was supported. Yeah, we had another recent case um, that we found really good support for an aspirational claim that was made by a clothing company um, that basically said that In 2018, we set out to remove virgin plastic from our entire supply chain by 2021. And that caught the attention of NAD just because, you know, that's like a, it's a huge claim to say, especially for a a clothing company, we're going to remove, you know, all new plastics from our entire supply chain. And um, that, that particular claim, the advertiser was able to demonstrate from start to finish that they were tracking and verifying the content of their um, materials that they were using in their product. They pointed to independent standards that they were certifying to, including the global recycled standard. Um, And in each stage of their production from, again, the beginning sourcing of 
materials to the last seller, they made sure they were um, certified by this independent third party to ensure full compliance. And so um, at the time that we uh, brought the inquiry, it was not 2021 or they had not quite reached their goal, but it was clear that they had set objectives and they were meeting their markers and they were taking action to meet this claim. It wasn't just, you know, kind of something where a consumer, you know, might see it and not know whether they actually did this or they were actually taking actions to meet this goal. They were actually doing what they said they were going to do. So as usual, it it comes down to what message is conveyed to the audience. And what message is conveyed to the aspiration? Now, you know, sometimes we see these claims posed in the form of a question, or you'll see imagery that's futuristic or uses children in, in, the, in the advertising. So, so which doesn't mean that you don't have to substantiate the claim. It may just mean that the, the time horizon for the realization of, of the goal uh, maybe a little bit longer, uh, but you still have to put action behind those those words. And not all aspirations are are created equally. Some may be very modest about what your what your practices are, uh, what you hope to achieve through your environmental practices. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, what's the next big consideration for marketers? Um, are you using the word sustainable correctly. This may seem like a a very specific question to ask, but sustainability is everywhere. And and it's definitely one of those good vibes uh, buzzwords that gets attached to to everything. Um, There's not a a great definition out there, um, but it is reflected in uh, the FTC's statement of basis of purpose uh, I'll, I'll quote here what the what the FTC said, and it's consistent with the um, Green Guide's guidance on general environmental benefit claims. Uh, marketers are still responsible for substantiating consumers' reasonable understanding of these claims. For example, if in context reasonable consumers perceive a sustainable claim as a general environmental benefit claim, the marketer must be able to substantiate the claim and all attendant reasonably implied claims. Given the potential for confusion, this area is ripe for further consumer perception research and one that the commission will continue to monitor. In the meantime, marketers who use sustainable claims should test those claims in the context of their advertisements to ensure they can substantiate them. So there you have the FTC recognizing that sustainable can convey a lot of different meanings and as we'll talk about, has to be um, contextualized accurately uh, to to not be uh, to not be misleading. Yeah, I, I mean that's interesting that that was back in in 2012, and we still don't have a single legal definition. And we, you know, the FTC pretty much then was saying that you know this is an important word. We are paying attention and and we're keeping our eye on it, but. You know, here we are 10 years later and, and we still don't have a generally accepted definition for what sustainability means. 
And like you said, it just means that the term might convey different messages depending on the context. It's very context specific. You know, it's not a one size fits all approach with this term. And so, um, you know, you really have to look at the way it's been used, how others in the industry are using it, how consumers understand it. And, you know, thankfully for our listeners, you know, NAD, we have some cases with some practical applications um, to help decide when it might be appropriate to use the term in a marketing context. Eric, um, can you think of an example of an, a case where a company used sustainable and it was supported appropriately? Yes. Recently, uh, NAD had a case involving Safe Catch Tuna. It's almost right there in the name, talking about their uh, process for, for catching fish. The, the, one of the claims specifically at issue there was 100% sustainably caught wild tuna. Um, and what NAD said there was that the claim was qualified and limited to one specific aspect uh, of, of the product, and that was how the tuna is caught. And that claim of sustainably caught tuna was substantiated um, because the advertiser submitted that their methods conformed with the standards set by several different uh, third-party organizations that were expert in this area. And their methods were sustainable because those standards looked at the effect on the species of fish. So you weren't overfishing that species and also the overall uh, impact on the ecosystem in which that fish was living. So in that context, the fishing methods were sustainable and the advertiser could say that they were 100% sustainably caught wild tuna. So that's, that's an example of, of where a sustainability claim was substantiated. I'll also note there the importance of third-party standards. Uh, they come up in a lot of different ways in substantiating claims, but they are especially important in environmental benefit claims because third parties often have the expertise to, to help advertisers substantiate those claims. That case, the claim was, was limited to a specific aspect of the, of the process, but we have other examples where a, a broader or a vaguer use of sustainable or sustainably conveyed a message that the advertiser couldn't support. So if you say a product is sustainably created, that may convey a message about the entire manufacturing, transportation um, process, which the product comes to market more than what you intend as the sustainable portion of that piece. If you're talking about manufacturing and you're using uh, sustainable to mean that you're using renewable energy in manufacturing, you should limit the claim to uh, the manufacturing process. Yes, what I'm hearing, I think, is that what's of the utmost importance is properly limiting your sustainability claim, making sure that the claim is as narrow 
as the behaviors or or the processes that you have to back up the claim. I think that also makes sense with a line of cases that we have where we noted that superlative claims about sustainability are very, very likely to be found to be unsubstantiated. We had a few cases, including one case that was a, about baby food, where the use of superlatives kind of got the advertiser, uh, you know, in front of their skis in terms of not having the support to back up their very strong claim. So in the baby food case, the claim that was being made were that the glass jars being used to um, hold the baby food were the ultimate in sustainability. And that's, you know, sending a really strong consumer takeaway that this product, these glass jars provide the greatest level of sustainability as compared to, you know, the packaging that's being used as at um, by competitors, and you know that that glass baby food jars uh, provide far-reaching environmental benefits, and they're superior to other types of packaging such as plastic bottles. You know, it was just like a really big claim. And while the advertiser did, you know, have some support, it, it, they weren't making a baseless claim, but they um, had a life cycle analysis that was not specific to the products at issue. It was about, you know, kind of glass containers and plastic bottles in general. And the analysis only addressed one aspect of sustainability, um, the product's respective carbon footprints. And so, you know, their claim just was much broader than the support that they had um, behind it. And and they just needed to make a a more narrow claim. Again, um, another claim that we recently uh, addressed was a food company um, that said that they were making good food in the most responsible and sustainable way. Again, that's a big superlative. And it communicates a tangible, objective message that consumers are going to understand that this company's practices have been optimized in relation to their impact on the environment. They've done something to make their food the most responsible and they're making it in the most sustainable way. And the advertiser just did not have the evidence to support that. I think they thought that this was one of those good vibe claims that they could kind of make without support. And they just, it, this that just wasn't it. <laughs> So that takes us to our next question. And this is a question that isn't specific to green claims, but all claims. And that's, does the evidence fit the claim? Is it is it a good fit? I think it's important here in this area to think about that question uh, even more. Uh, it's a point of concern because when we talk about environmental benefit claims, they aren't performance claims. Uh, there, there's a lot of room for misapplication or, or over-exaggeration or um, misunderstanding on, on, the, on the part of the consumer. Um, so your, your claim and your evidence should be as close as possible. Uh, we'll, we'll say this often, be precise. The vaguer you are, the more likely you are to fall into greenwashing um, or, or making a claim that... Um, that isn't supported by the evidence. 
Right. And, you know, we have, we have tons of cases on this, both, you know, in general advertising, but also in the environmental um, advertising area. We, NAD recently um, concluded a monitoring case where we asked the advertiser for support for the claim um, that they uh, have three trees planted for every tree used. And the advertiser had very specific support for this claim. They had, you know, contractual relationships delineating how many trees were being used in their manufacturing process, agreements showing the number of replacement trees that were being planted, um, evidence that they were auditing to make sure that the trees were in fact being planted every year um, in you know, areas that would thrive and actually make a difference in the environment. And so their, you know, their support really matched the claim that they were making in a very quantitative way. In the past, we've had other cases. Um, We had another previous monitoring case where the product being sold were um, tablets made from algae. And the claim that was at issue was the claim that the product throws off more oxygen into the air as they grow than the entire Amazon rainforest. I mean, it was, it's truly a wild claim, you know, it was just incredibly broad and the advertiser didn't have any real evidence to support it. They kind of had articles about, you know, algae being good for the environment and if, everyone started eating algae instead of eating meat, then, you know, basically everything would be great with the ozone layer and, you know, all of that. And, and, and that's great. It's, it's good to know that information, but what was being conveyed to the consumer was that this product, you know, was going to help save the Amazon, not just kind of in general plants are good. And, you know, you have to be able to show some hard evidence if you're going to make a claim like that and not just have kind of a theory that, you know, plant-based products provide a benefit. Another point to remember that that shouldn't get lost just because we're talking about um, environmental benefit claims, but comparative claims. If you are um, making a claim that our category of product is responsible for fewer carbon emissions than the competitor's category of product. Um, That evidence is going to be carefully scrutinized, just as as it would in any other case um, where scientific evidence is is at issue. So the substantiation has to be a good fit, and the data must must be reliable. The data must also need to be up to date because practices change, technology changes, and and standards change. Uh, we had uh, looked at some evidence, and one of our about a, um, a claim of comparative carbon emissions in, in an industry, and one of NAD's concerns was that the data was out of date and reflected a time when less manufacturing. Uh, was done thanks to renewable energy and reflected a time when more was uh, more was done because of coal energy. 
Right. You know, you just can't uh, rely on, you know, kind of the stereotypes about, you know, your competitors or, you know, about a certain technology or something that's out in the marketplace. You really have to do your research um, and, and have your objective support just like any other type of advertising claim. So that leads us to our final question. How are you evaluating consumer takeaway? One of NAD's primary concerns is making sure that consumers have complete information so that they can get the correct takeaway. And that's important here because consumers can't evaluate green claims for themselves. They're not experts in the field. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a promise that a advertiser makes about the origin of the product very often, and there's no way for a consumer to, to verify that on their own. Um, and if a, if a company is doing one thing in, 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 in the area of in the environment, uh, there's no way for the consumer to check to make sure that the company is doing the thing they say they're doing. Um, and also it lends, um, lends itself to a lot of jargon. Um, consumers may not be familiar with the terms being used. So consumers need a, a good understanding of what the terms being used mean in order to avoid a misleading takeaway. And as with all types of advertising, one thing NAD looks at is the visual representations made in the advertising. Right. You know, because this is an area, you know, where there are a lot of um, third party certifications, there are a lot of visual elements that they convey a message when you include a certification, certification or a seal in your advertising, they tell the consumer something. And that could be the key element on whether your advertising is misleading or not. Um, in a recent case, we, you know, one of the determining factors in what message was being conveyed to uh, consumers in the actual advertising claims were their proximity to a seal that kind of informed the context, basically. A claim could, a claim um, that's an environmental claim or um, a claim about a, a green product benefit could be interpreted broadly based on the sort of face value of the words. But if it's put in um, close proximity to a seal that then informs um, that claim and then qualifies it, it will give additional context to the claim and that will affect consumer takeaway. So it's really important, um, you know, if you are making a claim that is associated with something that has been um, certified or is the basis for a seal, you know, you can't have the seal over on one side of the ad and the claim all the way on the other side necessarily. They have to be in, um, they have to be read together in order to give, give the correct consumer takeaway. So another way to make sure consumers are getting an accurate picture of the nature of the claim uh, and, and not taking away a message that is bigger than you intended. Uh, you often see messages that speak to 
the individual impact and what that consumer's specific choice, what impact that may have um, on the environment. Uh, and marketers need to be careful not to over-exaggerate that impact. So for example, if you're giving um, consumers a breakdown of, of what their um, what their purchase represents and how many um, how much water was saved because they bought food at your restaurant as opposed to someone else. It, it needs to be clear that the information you've you've given them is if it's an average, it needs to state that it's it's an average. If it's a a guess that's as to the the specific product that they purchase, then it then it then it should say that. And breaking it down at that level is tricky, but most importantly, it needs to accurately convey what the individual's impact is. So, for example, if you um, have a claim about how many trees have been saved or, or will be saved um, by purchasing a particular paper product, um, it has to be clear to the consumer what their indiver- what their individual purchase means in the scheme of things. How many consumers uh, need to buy this product uh, for a certain number of trees to be saved? That needs to be accurately conveyed to the consumer. You know, and, and I think the last thing that we should touch on, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, is the, the use of jargon, the use of you know, terms that consumers might not be 100% familiar with, or they might be sort of undefined where there's no, you know, clear consensus. And, and that also kind of ties into what we were talking about with sustainability. But, you know, there's there's much more out there that is unclear and, and undefined and not agreed upon, you know, throughout the industry. And, you know, if a consumer doesn't know what a term means, um, whether it's, you know, upcycled or half cycled or, you know, just any, you know, new kind of green term that a company might come up with, it still falls on the advertiser to make sure they understand the claim and they aren't taking away um, an overly broad or just a misleading um, message from their advertising. It's, again, comes back to the premise that advertisers are responsible for all reasonably conveyed messages, not just the ones that you intended to make. So, you know, that's the the hard part about using new terms or undefined terms, particularly when it comes to green advertising. You really have to stop and think, you know, is this so niche, you know, that's only been used in a small part of the industry, and now we're going to do a national advertising campaign. And are people going to get it? Or are they going to understand what this means and and the impact and all of the associated benefits um, that has to be built into um, your thought process for how you're going to communicate um, your advertising? So Latoya, we're getting close to the end. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground and hopefully given our listeners some things to think about when developing environmental claims. Let's sum things up with some key takeaways. Uh, Latoya, what do you think are the key takeaways from our discussion today? 
Sure. Um, I think there are a few. Again, I cannot stress how important the is it advertising question is because, you know, not not everything, but just a whole lot of what um, is presented to the public by a company where you're saying something positive and you're trying to um, draw people in and have them come and try your product or try your service, you know, that could be advertising. And if you haven't recognized that, um, then you have already kind of missed a step in making sure that you're not being misleading to consumers. Um, I think another key point is, you know, that just by making something aspirational in nature doesn't mean that you don't have to support that uh, notion, um, you know, aspirational claims need substantiation too. And, um, you know, you, you can't just kind of go out there and say, you know, this is what our company dreams to do. You have to show a genuine and demonstrable commitment to achieving that aspiration. Um, and then also, you know, when in doubt, make a narrow claim and be specific. You know, that is the best way to avoid greenwashing is to really tailor your claim and be as specific as you can in order to match your support. Um, so I think that's what I hope our listeners will take away. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to add? I would tell our listeners to stay tuned for more guidance because this is definitely an evolving area and um, we're learning something new every day about this, uh, the, the claims of this nature. Right. Yeah, that's why we love this job so much. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of The Ad Watchers. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into green advertising claims. Join us next month when we'll be discussing survey evidence. As always, you can head over to our website, bbbprograms.org to learn more about what we do at the National Advertising Division or any of our other self-regulatory programs. That's all for this episode. See you next time. Bye, Eric. Bye, LaToya.